I'm sitting in the subway station. Manhattan is my destination. On that dirty train, each day I live is much the same, and I think, what can I gain living in this endless game? Homeward bound, I wish I was. Homeward bound, home to Yerushalayim, home where my heart is lying, home where my destiny waits silently. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Homeward Bound, the show about making Aliyah to Israel. I'm your host, Yigal Siegel. We're here on the Nahum Siegel Network every Tuesday night at 7.30 p.m., giving you as much information as possible to make the big move to live in Israel. This show is sponsored by our good friends at Nefesh Benefesh. For all information about making Aliyah, go to their website at nbn.org.il. That's nbn.org.il. And also, you can send an email to me, yigal at nachomsegal.com, that's Y-I-G-A-L at nachomsegal.com, with any questions that you would like me to ask on the air of any of the Nefesh Benefesh professionals that we have been interviewing every week. Uh, it's our pleasure to give you specific answers to specific questions, and the way to do that, again, is to send me an email at yigal at And also, if you have any comments or suggestions for future shows, we'd love to hear from you as well. Again, if you want to call Nefesh Benefesh, the number is 866, the number 4, and A-L-I-Y-A-H. Before we get to our guest this evening, and it will be again Avi Silverman, who spoke to us last week about communities here in Israel, and this week we'll be concentrating on education in Israel. Education for our children, of course, is a priority, and it's a very, very important priority when when it comes to making Aliyah. So we're going to be speaking to him about that, on a general basis, and then in the weeks to come, we'll have him back to talk about specific communities and the education available in those communities. Before we do that, I want to mention that there is a special conference for students and young professionals sponsored by Nefesh Benefesh coming up on Sunday, November 17th at 12.30 p.m. It's called Think Israel. This is sponsored, again, by Nefesh Benefesh. There will be a wonderful panel there. Featured speakers are Ron Prosser, the Israel Ambassador to the United Nations, the Minister of Aliyah and Immigrant Absorption, Sophie Landver, and of course, NBN co-founder and executive director of Yoshua Fass. The topics they'll be dealing with will include developing a career in Israel, finding and building your community in Israel, higher education, and in general, Israel engagement. This will take place on 3rd Avenue in New York. All the information is on the website at nbn.org.il. Along with that program, there'll be a special program for physicians and paramedical professionals. That's also very, very important, and it's a very, very big need for us here in Israel to have more medical professionals uh, join us here on Aliyah. So please, uh, it's very important to attend that if you can. Uh, You need to have pre-register. So again, nbn.org.il or 866-4-Aliyah. Again, this is on Sunday, November 17th. On Tuesday, November 19th, there will also be a, uh, a Think Israel program, a similar program for young professionals and students. This would be Dania Beach, Florida. Uh, the Consul General of Israel to Florida, Chaim Shacham, will be speaking. And the topics will be similar to what was going, going, is going on in New York on November 19th. Again, please register at nbn.org.il and or call 8664 Aliyah. 
Oh, it's always a pleasure being here in Givat Shaul at the Nefesh Benefesh offices. I tell you, there's so much traffic, there's so much, th- there's so much happening here at the office. It's, it's so wonderful to see what's going on. And, of course, it's wonderful to be back with our good friend Avi Silverman, who was on last week. And uh, at that point, the advisor for, communi- for communities and education, he dealt with communities. That's right. If you did not get a chance to listen to Avi speak about the uh, different communities that are available for you to look at when you come to Israel, please go to the archives of Homeward Bound and listen to that great show. In the meantime, what we're going to talk about with Avi this time is the second part of his expertise, which is the education and uh, the education of your children. Our children is so important. And uh, Avi, first of all, welcome back. Good to see you. Thank you. Okay, so what I'd like to do to start off is, assuming at this point that our listeners are not extremely knowledgeable about the different school systems that are in Israel that are available for their children, uh, I'd like you to just uh, give us a general overview of the different systems, and then you know possibly deal with a couple of them in more depth as we uh, as we get along with the interview. So let's start off. Uh, I'll, I'll hand over the microphone to you to to start us off with the uh, the basic systems that are available uh, for education here in Israel. Okay, you go. Thanks. The main thing to remember is that in Israel, there is no separation between church and state, so that there are public religious schools as well as public secular schools. Secular schools are called mamlachti, they're state-run schools, and there's mamlachti dati, which are religious schools. Uh, some of your viewers will feel comfortable in the mamlachti dati arrangement, which has a both a Judaic component as well as a secular component in the school. Then we start splitting hairs a little bit in the system. So we have Mamlachti Dati, we also have Mamlachti Dati Torani. And Torani <laughs> means that the school has an official rabbi who is the decider of Jewish law within the school. And they also have extra hours of learning for what we call Mude Kodesh, for the religious studies. So one second, but just let's take a step back. So you're saying that what is the, the basic schedule of any public school is from what time to what time? For, let's say an elementary public school starts at what time and ends at what time? So that isn't clear. It also depends on the school. Uh, you can be guaranteed it goes from one from eight to one thirty. Okay. But then it depends on the day. Sometimes schools get out at one thirty. Certainly Tuesdays they get out one thirty because in Israel youth groups are so important. We can talk about that at a later time. That the school system allows for Tuesdays to be youth group day. So all schools get out at one thirty in the public school system okay. to, to allow for the kids to be able to attend youth groups. Um, other than that, sometimes schools will get out at 3 o'clock, 3.30. Um, the high schools can get out anywhere between 5 and 6 o'clock. It depends on the day, the subjects, and the type of school that you're going to. Okay, so so you made the distinction between Mamlachti, which is uh, just the, the, the national uh, school system, which is not officially uh, connected to religious, because Mamlachti Dati is the religious system. Well, so the Mamlachti system does not have any type of Judaics, or they do? It's taught usually from a historic perspective and cultural, as opposed to um, you know, looking at it from a religious perspective. Okay, very good. So we have the Mamlachti, Mamlachti Dati, and Mamlachti Dati Torani. Correct. So those are three separate systems, but they're all publics. There's public schools, I should say. Okay, very good. Okay, let's uh, let's go on then. Um, you also have in Israel. There's a what we call a Zerm Charedi, which is a 
also, it's a public school system, it's run by the Misrata Chinuch, but it has its own distinction in that it's able to choose its own teachers, and it doesn't go through the traditional channels that the Ministry of Education normally requires. But it's supervised by the Ministry of Education. So is it under the Mamachti Dati Torani system, or is it a separate system? It's a separate system run by the Ministry of Education. Okay. And, then and that's the only distinction in terms of uh, the choice of teachers? Uh, also, the type of the type of curriculum is a little bit different. Okay, so and that does that mean that in the mamlachti general, the three different mamlachti types of places, so the the government chooses the, the the teachers there. I mean, how does that work? Correct. The government actually hires the teachers. The government will have to supervise who's being hired, meaning that the principal himself or herself hires the teachers. Right. But the government has a say over which teachers you're allowed to have and their credentials. That's fascinating. I mean, you have to be certified by the Ministry of Education in order to work in a Ministry of Education school. Okay. So those, um, so those basically we've just described four different streams. There's a little bit another hair I'd like to throw <laughs> into that split, <laughs> All right. and that would be the Chardal system. Okay. Uh, Chardal is also considered obviously to be in the religious public system, but it has a different value system. And therefore, um, when you talk about Chardal, which is Haridi Dati Lumi, right. it's um, a little bit more to um, the right in terms of religious observance and how they feel about general culture than the Dati Lumi Torni, and a little bit more open than the Haredi school systems, the Yeshivish school systems, the Beis Yaakovs, the Chadarim. Um, and those types of systems are semi-private and semi-government, but they're all run and they have supervision from the Ministry of Education. And we find that our, a lot of our olim who you know, come from the more YU type crowd prefer to have a Chardal type school, school system. Okay. Now, are all these, I mean, just you know, kind of going back to the community discussion for a second, all these different systems, you will find representatives uh, in our school representatives of these systems in every community that has a nice population in, in Israel? If it's a larger community. If it's a Yeshu, we talked about Yeshu being smaller communities, right. then it's going to be more selective and it will go according to whatever that Yeshu has. Uh -huh. um, if it's something, obviously, if you're talking about a Malay Dumim or a Beit Shemesh or a Gush, you know, Gush Etzion community, Ranana, those type of places, yes, then they're going to have everything from secular public schools to the Beis Yaakov and Cheder system. Okay, and, and these different systems that we just described in the public school arena, they apply to K through 12? Do they apply through K through 8? How does a... It's split differently. <laughs> um, I'm throwing too many curveballs at Avi today. The Dati and Torni usually go to first to six. That, that's also a distinction. Once you start into the Chardal, so they identify more with the Haredi system because they Haredi Datilumi, right. and they go one to eight. Uh, some schools will also then have the middle school through 12th grade. I mean, it's called a six-year school, and they'll have seventh through twelfth grade. Okay. Other schools will have um, one through six, and then they have a separate division that's seventh and eighth, and then there's nothing continuing so after like that. So, like a similar to a middle middle school type of concept in the states, the seventh and eighth uh, would be that that would be the middle school here, in essence. Correct. And that also depends on the community. Does it's not and like also a if you're Mamakti, then middle school is technically. 7th, 8th, and ninth. Right. Okay. And then it begins Which is in 10th grade. <laughs> Depends on the system. So again, the system, okay, but basically you either have elementary and high school, right? Or you have and middle elementary, school. middle, and high school. There's I mean, always a middle school in all components, so it's going to be middle school. Right, but uh, but you mentioned that uh, from 7th to 12th could be uh, could be a... It will include the Chativat Benayim as well as the Chativat Elyon. The okay, middle school so as well as the high school, but they're in the same facility. Right, they're in the same facility. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
All right, so that's, in essence, we've just covered the public school system in Israel. Okay, let's talk about private schools now. Um, first of all, I, based on my experience, private schools are very, there are a lot of private schools. Um, let's make a distinction, first of all, between private and public. First of all, um, give us a little background. Private schools, what makes a school private as opposed to public schools? Because um, I'm sure a lot of our listeners know that even a private school education here is a lot uh, is a lot more inexpensive than a private school education in, in the United States. So is there government support? Obviously there has to be some sort of government support for a private school here, but the question is what is what is the distinction between the private and the public school systems here? Right, you're correct that all schools have to have some sort of ministry education. You can't just open a school and have children go there without some government supervision. Uh, the difference would be in what we call an amuta. An amuta is a parent body uh, that basically looks to help to regulate the school as well. I mean, we talk about a board, you know, schools have school boards in America. So if you are a government school, your mamlakhtir, mamlakhti dati, you may not necessarily have a parent body. You may have a vadhorim who help advise, but amuta means that you're established with the government and you have an agency within the school itself helping to run the school and you're paying for extra programming in the school, you're paying for extra curriculum in the school, you're paying for people to come into your school and offer supplemental programs. I'm sorry to interrupt, when you say you're paying, is that the Amuta is paying? The parents. The parents are paying, okay. But as a parent, you're paying to the Amuta, and that's a sort of regular regulatory body that is parent-driven within the school. Now, a public school, a parent never has to spend any money? Is, is there any, any type of tuition charge for a parent in, in a mamlakhti school or mamlakhti right. dati? So if you're in a regular mamlakhti or mamlakhti dati, uh, you could expect to pay anywhere between 600 and 700 shekels a year for tuition. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I hope anyone who's listening while they're driving, please be careful. <laughs> that's, uh, that's pretty much $200 a year. That's for the public school system. And if you have an amuta, right. sorry, if you have an amuta, then you would expect to be paying something like that per month. So anywhere between, say, 500 to 700 shekels a month for that. Right, which, uh, again, when you look at it from a, from a perspective of, of, of an Anglo who's looking to move to Israel, <laughs> it's still relatively inexpensive. Right. We're talking about 5,000 to 7,000 shekels. Is it 10 months or 12 months? Depends on the school. Right. So even if it was uh, 12 months, we're talking about you know 8,000 shekel is what? Is uh, $2,500 or something like that. So it's uh, or a little more than that maybe. So we're, we're not talking about huge amounts of money. So basically, if I understand you right, so the system that is private, um, well, let's talk about the different systems that are private. What kind of schools would you find in a private school system? How many different types of schools would you find? So usually we talked about Khardal. So Khardal will be private because it's an unusual type of school. Its philosophy is different, uh, its programs are different, and therefore there's always going to be some sort of an amuta regulating it to make sure that it's keeping up with the philosophy of Khardal. Um, so that you'll, you would expect to pay more money for that again in the you know 500 to say 700 shekel range. Right. Mm -hmm. um, if you're go looking to go to a cheder type of school or a Beis Yaakov, so there'd be a tuition for that. If obviously if you're looking for any sort of dorm school where the kids are sleeping over and they're getting meals, then you would expect to pay for that. Usually that's in a high school setting. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> Our first graders don't have to sleep at school if they don't Correct. want. To. Um, and are these schools that you just mentioned, are, are they part of a, a system? And are we, like, for example, there are a lot of people in America who would recognize the name Chinuch Atzmai. Chinuch Atzmai is a system that's been around for many years, Torah schools for Israel. So that is a private, that is a privately funded, privately run 
um, education system that has uh, hundreds of schools as part of it. So what you just described, the Chadarim or Beis Yaakov type of place would fall like mainly under something like that. Are there other systems like that? I think uh, so. Even Chinuch Atzma'i, as its name implies, that's right. an independent education, uh, has some Misrata Chinuch supervision. Meaning, right. again, you can't have children leaving their homes and going to a building with no government regulation on it. So, right. government has to make sure that the building is safe. Has to make sure that there is proper insurance for the teachers, for the students. All those types of things have to have some supervision. The idea of independence comes in terms of developing your own curriculum, uh, the staff that you want to have, the programming that you want to have. And so the more independent schools are able to have more autonomy in terms of how they put that all together. Okay, I got you. Now, so, so basically, um, when we're talking about private schools, what else, what else would fall under that? You mentioned the Chadarm, the Beis Yaakovs, Chardal, what other types of... High schools all tend to be within some sort of a system, like Amit is probably a name that a lot of people recognize. Amit, right. So Amit has its own systems of high schools. Now, it doesn't mean that they're independent, but they become Amit High School. It means that's where they're getting some of their private funding from. Mm-hmm. So high schools in general have a larger tuition than elementary schools. So you would expect to be paying you know, double, sometimes triple the amount for a high school because it includes more activities, it includes uh, testing for the Bagruth matriculation exams, and so there is a higher fee for that. But high schools are somehow connected to some sort of a, a parent organization that is helping to sponsor them. Okay, so, but there's still Mamlachti uh, high schools, there's still public high schools Correct. that that don't fall under the same... Uh, but you're just saying that there are more private high schools than there would be elementary schools. I think that's the distinction you're making. Correct. Okay, so um, let's talk about that. You mentioned um, Bagriot, which is, for those of you who live in New York, the only comparison I can give you is that it's like the regents, uh, except a lot harder. Right. <laughs> Trust me, my kids know. <laughs> so the question is, um, there are certain schools. I mean, as we as uh, as uh, that 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 this is the main thing. That the main focus of the high school career is basically to get to Bagriot, to get you through these exams, these matriculation exams, that would enable you to uh, get a job later. Because uh, go to university, right? Or to to go to university. But I mean, there, it's very difficult to to get a, a professional position anywhere, whether you go to school or not. Most people go to college in order to get it, but. Um, without having Bagriot. Bagriot are, are a key in terms of your progress and in, in, in terms of life progress. Mm-hmm. So um, one of the things that uh, that we wanted to mention, I know that we talked about it off the air, was that uh, now we see in the Haredi community, in the more Haredi community, that the Bagriot is becoming much more important on the high school level. Because of, I think, the, the entrance of a lot more Anglos into the Haredi system, this has become more of a of an important thing. Am I correct in that? Uh, it's, it's sort of interesting. I was in a, a what called a Vadat Knesset. I was invited to be part of a meeting uh, within the Knesset this week and the topic was Bagriot and what they're going to do with the Bagrut. Mm-hmm. So there is, there's a whole um, movement underway that Shai Peron, who is uh, the head of education in Israel, is looking to revamp the whole Bagrut system. And it will have an impact both in the Haredi schools and obviously in the more general schools. And that's going to be a process. But you'll be able to see and your listeners will be able to see down the road that there is going to be a change in how they administer the Bagrut and who is going to be taking the Bagrut. You mentioned the Beis Yaakov system and the more Haredi systems. One of the things that distinguishes Beis Yaakov girls schools and the high school level is that they don't have a Bagrut. 
meaning technically if you offer Bagrut, you can't be a Beis Yaakov. So for example, there's a school in one of the cities that has a high Anglo population where they want their girls to go on to university, and the school offers all but one of the Bagriots. So therefore you can't graduate this Beis Yaakov with a full Bagrut score, and then you make it up as an external student. Um, <laughs> that's that's how they got around it. Uh, <laughs> there's, uh, other Beis Yaakovs have something that's called Chutzim, and Chutzim are basically the Bagruts, but they're offered on a, a little bit of a different basis, a little bit less taxing, because they note that the girls are not being prepared for the full Bagrut. But it's almost the equivalent to Bagrut, so that you can have Chutzim in a Beis Yaakov that will allow you to enter into university. Oh, really? So okay. that's, that's uh, another thing with the Beis Yaakov system. The boys end up going usually to Yeshiva Katana, where they don't have those types of tests. And now we're seeing a proliferation of either Merkaz Charigdi, Machon Charigdi. There's different names for it, but there's, there's schools, both for women and for men, who didn't have a Bagrut, who want to have a profession, and they go to these two or three year colleges in order to get certificates in a variety of fields in right. order to get into the job market. Right, in fact, there's one right here in this building, I think. Correct. So that's definitely something we see, uh, like you said, a proliferation of that over the last few years. Are there any other private schools that you want to, or systems or types of schools that you want to touch on before we move on in terms of? What you are seeing that's interesting is in the boys' school, there are Haredi systems where they identify with Haredi systems that are offering their boys bug roots. So again, they're not in the yeshiva katana system, they're more in the yeshiva Tichoni system, right? And they're, but they're Haredi. So you have places like Ma'arava, you have places like Naharda and Nahora and Me'orot and the Beit Shemesh, the Masifta Beit Shemesh, that are basically looking at a Haredi boy from a Haredi family, um, a lot of Anglos in these schools, right. who are saying we want to have our boys take the higher road to secular education, and they are doing full Bagrut tests. Right. Um, the Bagrut runs either with a three-point Bagrut, usually to five points, and we won't need to get what that right, means that's a <laughs> in terms of intensity. And a lot of these schools offer their boys five-point Bagrut, which is you know the highest level. So they, if they wanted to, they could get into a university program on the higher level. Okay. So look, we've covered uh, most of the. Uh, I'm sure there's there's specific or individual types of schools that we haven't t touched on, but I think our listeners have a general understanding of what we're dealing with with the private and public school systems here in Israel. The, in the few minutes we have left, <clears throat> excuse me, I'd like to deal with the, um, you know, our population that we're speaking to now, obviously English speakers, and people who are interested in making Aliyah, it's not just people who have, you know, three-year-olds and four-year-olds who probably, gonna, hopefully, will be easy for them to get into a system and to flourish in a system as Hebrew speakers because they're learning it at such a young age. We're talking about people who come, you know, I myself came with a 16-year-old, I came with a, 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 an 8-year-old. And I want to know from you, from your experience, the different schools within the different systems or gen in general, how are they equipped to assist our listening audience who are making Aliyah to Israel, English speakers who are coming into their systems. So just in terms of nefesh benefesh, the majority of the families who come, 70% is our statistic, are somewhere in the Orthodox world, mostly in modern Orthodox uh, schools and systems. And therefore, those are the systems that tend to be most equipped. For families who are coming that are going to be in the Mamlakhti system, it's a little bit uh, less um, 
uh, uniform in terms of the services they get. The national law is that every child gets six weekly hours of instruction. It could be Hebrew instruction, it could be working on um, uh, homework, it could be cultural. Whatever the child needs, the school has a budget for six hours to help that student. If there are more than two or three students in the school, then they get extra hours. So certain areas, for example, Jerusalem, Maleh Dumim, Beit Shemesh, Renana, all these places offer an open for kids that goes well beyond the six hours. Some of them are up to 17 hours a week. Wow. Because they have so many kids who are in the school systems, they pull them together, group them, and then they're able to offer them more hours. Is this available to uh, private schools as well, or uh, through the government? It's through the government, yeah. Oh, so it's good yeah. to know. So um, do you? Is it, it's important for our listeners to know also, it, do, do you in your experience see that this is an... For, for most kids, or is there a need for um, for budgeting money for extra tutors or for extra help, especially for kids who are older, uh, let's say, you know, over the age of 10 or, or hitting the high school age already? Do you see that there's a, a necessity for that? All right, so over 10, I would say, is still good. I, I wouldn't call that older. Uh, it gets trickier when you're coming with pulse bar about mitzvah kids. Okay. That's what I've seen. Um, my, my philosophy from working with hundreds of families is that you can really come with a kid going into 10th grade and that child could be very successful. Take the bug reult, we've seen it, and be able to fly. It depends on the kid and the preparation in the school. Um, and we've had kids who've come in second and third grade who are still struggling. Because right. It depends on the. Well, kid. there's always uh, obviously we've, we've spoken about this before that there's always exceptions to what's happening. But uh, basically, what you're saying is that the systems are set up to assist children who are coming from English-speaking homes at every level. Correct. And that includes high school. Okay. So so basically, whether it's six hours a week or even more, if you if you're living in an, a community which has more of a population of English speakers, there are definitely resources available for these children to to be able to succeed. All right, that's good to know. Is there anything, um, anything else in terms of, uh, let's say you have a special needs child, um, and uh, especially from an English-speaking family, is there extra help because of that? Or any is that something sure. that comes from the government, or that's a whole discussion on what you do with children with special needs? You know, dyslexia, ADD. Um, those are all the buzzwords that are going around all the schools, and there are different programs for that. When you come with a child who's under first grade, there is, there's no assistance because the, the general conception is that if there's a child who's coming preschool, they don't need assistance. They're going to get the language, they're going to get the culture. So there isn't assistance for that. Um, if you're coming with a child who's 11th grade, and that's a whole separate discussion about what to do with that child. There are English-speaking high schools in the country, not a lot of them, but they do exist, and that really would be an option for uh, either a child of a secular family, modern Orthodox, or even Haredi. There are secular high schools geared for those children. Um, but the six hours, just to, to clarify, is for any school in the country. Meaning if you're in our Go North program or Go South program and you're, you choose a kibbutz way out or you choose a small town right. and you're the only Ola in that school, you're entitled to get your six hours. Oh, it's great. just easier when you're going to a town where there's a lot of Olim. Right, I understand. And then there's more resources available because you have more kids. Correct. But uh, okay, that's good to know. It's important to know. Of course, anyone who has any specific questions about the educational system or any of the questions that we've dealt with obviously can, uh, can email Avi at asilverman at nbn.org.il. And, uh, of course, there's on the Aliyahpedia, on the website at nbn.org.il, there are plenty of um, 
um, reports and, and articles about specific communities and their schools, about specific school systems. Avi himself has worked on a bunch of these articles, and that information is there for you. So if you just want to take a look at the website to get an idea, a general idea, based on what we've been discussing, a general idea of specific communities that have uh, specific types of schools from the different systems that we've covered, you can find that at nbn.org.il. And of course, you can contact the uh, pre-Aliyah department at uh, 1-866-4-Aliyah. That's 866, the number 4, A-L-I-Y-A-H. Uh, I want to thank Avi Silverman, not only for today, where we discussed the educational systems in Israel, but also for his help in uh, talking about the communities last week on Homeward Bound, which you can find in your archives. Um, again, we will be speaking to Avi off and on over the course of the next few weeks, speaking about specific communities and possibly getting into uh, some other topics, which uh, we, we just touched on the special needs issue, which is uh, obviously a major issue for a lot of families to know. Uh, obviously, Avi, you know, if you have a child who has special needs and you want to move to Israel, you have to know what the score is. You have to know what's going on. Obviously, Avi and his staff are available for um, private con consult on this, but well, we definitely want to touch on uh, on these different topics as we go through the uh, different weeks. Okay. So thanks a lot, Avi. Thank you for having us, and uh, <laughs> for me, and I uh, look forward to being on again. Okay, so um, I want to remind everyone again about the uh, November 17th event in New York called Think Israel for Young Professionals and for Students. All the information is available at nbn.org.il. You have to pre-register for that. Um, it is in Manhattan, and of course, November 19th, um, which is two days later in Florida, there is another event called Think Israel, the same type of uh, idea there, and all that description is on the website. Uh, along with that, it, on November 17th in New York, there is going to be a seminar geared towards medical professionals. I can't stress enough how important it is for medical professionals to really consider moving here because we really need you guys, so <laughs> please uh, check it out. Any other questions, please uh, feel free to email me at yigal.nachomsegel.com if you'd like some questions to be asked on the air of any of the Nefesh Benefesh staff. Um, and of course, at uh, the website nbn.org.il, you have a tremendous amount of information there. Uh, this is Yigal Siegel for Homeward Bound. I appreciate you listening. I wish everyone a good week, and we'll see you next Tuesday. Thank you so much for listening. Every day is an endless stream of disappointment broken dreams mm. And each day looks the same to me Assembly lines and factories And every stranger's face I see Reminds me that I long to be Homeward bound I wish I was Homeward bound Home to Yerushalayim Sad songs again Lament this world of pretend But all my words come back to me This life of mediocrity Like emptiness in harmony I need Hashem to comfort me Homeward bound I wish I was Homeward bound Home, where my heart is lying Home, where my destiny
gladly for me. 